Hello to everyone out there listening in the world today. I'm Sam Diebler, and this is the Two Man Break Podcast. And now before you guys all get confused, wait, Sam, this isn't next Tuesday. That's when I expect my usual two-man break goodness. Well, hold your horses, because this is playoff season in the NFL. And playoff season, we throw rules out the window. They're gone. There's no rules. And I wanted to talk about the divisional playoffs this week. Because I don't think I have been more apprehensive, but also excited about a playoff weekend than I have in a long time. And I'll, tell, I'll give you some reasons why as we get through the games. But what we're going to do is we're going to go through each game, and we're going to go through each side of the ball for each team, if that makes sense. And you'll see what I'm talking about. So, uh, for an example, it would be, you know, if it was the Rams and the Packers, it would be the Rams offense versus the Packers defense, and then the Packers offense versus the Rams defense, and then who has the better special teams. And then I'll break down, you know, who do I think is going to win? I'll probably throw in by how much. Um, I don't know. I thought it would be fun to try something new. It's not quite something that I've done here on this podcast. So, you know, give it a shot. And then if this works out well, which I'm pretty sure it's going to work out at least okay, then I think that, uh, you know, this could be a regular thing. But I'm certainly going to do it for the rest of the playoffs because I'm really excited to watch some games this weekend. So to start out, we're going to go for what I think is going to be the least interesting game of the weekend. And that's that's saying a lot because that's not saying a lot because there's going to be a lot of really exciting games and this game's probably still going to be exciting. I just don't think the intrigue in this game really matches up. And I think this is also the easiest game to call in my opinion. Uh, we're going to talk about the Rams traveling to Lambeau field to play the green Bay Packers, the number one seed green Bay Packers led by the presumptive MVP, Aaron Rodgers. And look, I'm a chiefs fan. And even I know that Aaron Rodgers is the MVP this year. It's, it's close. I think it's closer than a lot of people think it is, but I just think the from start to finish, he's been the most consistent, the most dynamic quarterback. He's also he also has the narrative of them drafting a quarterback in the first round and then him basically using that as motivation allegedly. Um, yeah, so he basically you got and he has home field in Lambeau, which I think is one of the only places with with not a lot of fans that's going to have a home field advantage because it's so cold and there's so much like legacy there. So automatically they have two huge advantages to start out over the Rams. They have the best quarterback in the world right now, probably the best home field advantage left. And they also have the best wide receiver in the world, which again, pains me to say as a Chiefs fan, because I love me some Tyree kill, but Devontae Adams has just been on another planet this year. And that's, I think that's the matchup basically. So what we're going to do is we're going to, like I said, we're going to go through each uh, side of the ball. And we're going to start with the Rams offense versus the Packers defense. Now, let's just start with the Rams offense. And I think they're at a significant disadvantage. And for those of you that saw the game last week, Jared Goff was not ready to go. He was forced to play because uh, Warford or Wolford or whatever his name was got hurt. He came in. Yes, he completed some big throws, but he, you could tell that his hand, his right hand, was affecting him. And this game, I think, is going to come down to how exciting it is based off if he is getting healthier or not. because. Jared Goff, for the Rams, do a lot of things well. They actually have been running the ball better, especially last week. Their defense is obviously outstanding. But if you don't have a quarterback, especially this deep into the playoffs and this deep in the NFL season, if your quarterback is hindered or you don't have a good quarterback, you're not going to get very far unless your defense is that good. But we're going to start with their offense. So basically, you got Jared Goff. Um, 
Cooper Cup got hurt last week. Uh, Cam Akers, who I really like, and is proof that you can get a running back wherever, and you'll be fine. So maybe you shouldn't draft one in the first round. Slide, slide shot there at the Chiefs. I love Edwards Alaire, but come on. But yet Goff, and I just, I'm really, I just have my doubts about Goff. With or without the hand injury, I think Goff is a really good passer. I think he can be accurate at times, but he also makes really dumb decisions a lot. And I'm really starting to think that he's a product of McVay more so than the other way around. He just, he doesn't create well out of structure. And you can be sure that the Packers defense, who's been underrated this year, that the Packers defense is going to create some favorable matchups for them. And they're going to try to make sure that if Goff does play and if Goff does start and if he is still hampered, they're going to make him try to create off-platform. And I don't think it's going to go well. I mean, look at, look, look at the, the talent you have on the Packers defense. You have Jair Alexander at corner, who is one of my favorite players outside of Kansas City in the entire NFL. He's physical. He's, you know, he's physical. He can cover. You know, he's got long arms. You know, he's the perfect corner for playoff football. But then you also got the Smith brothers, Darius and Preston Smith up front, you know, that are just going to provide some great edge rush. Yeah, and this is really going to come down to, I think the Rams strategy in this game is going to be run the ball, try to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field and play great defense when he is on the field. Otherwise, I don't see this game being within seven points. The line right now coming into this game is actually seven points. And I think it could get lower going to the playoff games, especially if reports come out that Goff is healthy. But I honestly see this game not going well for the Rams. But before I decide what I think the final score is going to be, we're going to pivot to the Packers offense versus the Rams defense. Now, this is the most intriguing matchup, I actually think, these two sides of the ball in almost the entire playoffs so far. You have what some would say is the best defense in the, in the league, at least has, for me, it has the most potential and the most game-wrecking ability of any defense in the league. You, with the Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, you know, Michael Brockers is really good on that defensive front. You have a lot of game-wrecking ability to just, like, they have so much turnover capability on that, takeaway capability on that defense, versus, obviously, the MVP. And this is going to be a classic example, I think, that usually great offense beats great defense. Usually. Um, If Aaron Rodgers is on... They're not going to have trouble moving the ball. Because here's the thing. They're going to put Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams. And I think that's a wash. I think Jalen Ramsey's probably the best corner in the league, and I think Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the league. I think that's a wash. But here's the thing. They have to cover everyone else. They have to cover Aaron Jones out of the backfield. They have to stop the run. <laughs> it's tough. This isn't something that, like, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and everyone in that backfield, they, this offense is really good. Not to mention that Matt LaFleur is a really good offensive coach who can come up with some creative things. And really, on the defensive line, if you just double-team Donald, yes, Brockers is good, but Brockers isn't going to kill you, and their edge situation 
um, I think with uh, Samson Ebucam and a few others, it's not scary. It's just not. I just don't see a way where they can really beat the Packers. Now, we've seen crazier stuff. And it's not exactly like Aaron Rodgers has been this beacon of playoff success. He does have one Super Bowl. But he's not a guy that... He's blown some games. I mean, uh, my thought immediately goes to 2011. They're 15-1. and one, And they lose in the first... And they lose in the divisional round against like a 9-7 and seven Giants team. So it's happened. It's almost... It's very similar. You have... Rams coming in, they're 9-7, and seven. they rely on their defense, they're going to rely on their running game, their quarterback has some question marks next to him, just like Eli did in 2011. Maybe Goff comes in and he's, and he's okay, and he gets hot, and they are able to steal this game. I don't know, it's very, it, it, there's, there's an avenue here for the Rams to win. However, I don't really see it happening. Um, again, the Rams strategy really has to be run the ball, play great defense, play field position, I think. I mean, they have the advantage in, in um, special teams. I think with just Johnny Hecker right there, they have the advantage of special teams. Johnny Hecker's, I think, is the best punter in football. And maybe it's about stealing a possession. Maybe you go for a fake punt, which we know Johnny Hecker can do. Maybe McVay gets aggressive. I think McVay is going to have to coach the game of his life for the Rams to get out of Lambeau with a dub. That's just my gut instinct. The line right now is uh, seven points. From DraftKings, like I mentioned, the DraftKings has it at seven points. I think the line could go down depending on reports of Jared Goff's health and Cooper Cup's health. That's underrated as well. So it would go up or down. But I honestly, I say, uh, I'm going to say 28 to 17 Packers over the Rams. And Packers move on to the NFC Championship game where they would host whoever wins the next game I'm going to talk about. Now, this is the game that probably is going to get the most hype on the division in the divisional round. You have the two, two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever walk this earth. You have Tom Brady with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints. And I'm here to, I want to throw that aside. We know those two are great, but this game will be won in the trenches. This game will be won by who can run the ball better. And who can protect the QB better? Both teams have great weapons. Both teams have a good backfield. With the Buccaneers going for a more of a committee approach with Fournette, Ronald Jones, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then with the Saints going with just Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. I th- in the two games in the regular season, these guys played each other. The Saints stomped the Buccaneers. Now, I think that both teams are in a little bit of a different position right now. Um, I think the Tampa, Tampa Bay is on fire. I think Tom Brady specifically is on fire. But the Saints are starting to get healthy. Um, we saw last week against the Bears, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, Traquan Smith. Even their secondary guys, like their second tight ends and their fullback and Taysom Hill and everyone else. You know, I think it's just going to be a really interesting game. This game, I mark my words, will be one in the trenches. Which team can out-physical the other one? I think this game's going to be closer than the ones in the regular season. 
But let's start with the Buccaneers offense versus the Saints defense. And this is actually, I think, is probably the most interesting part of this game. Because the last time they played each other, Antonio Brown for the Buccaneers had just started to play. That was his first game. And he was clearly rusty, and Brady was trying to force the ball to him sometimes, and they were just out of sync. They're more of a well-oiled machine now. But the Saints' defense is the most underrated defense in the entire NFL. I would argue their top three defense, period. They are so well coached. Their scheme is so good. And they have great players up front. And they got great players in the secondary. I mean, I personally saw firsthand what they did to Patrick Mahomes in the, one of the last games of the season. Where they have the talent, not to mention the scheme itself, to really bother these high-flying offenses. And they are so physical. At the point of attack, you got Rankins, you got Onyemata, you got Cam Jordan, you got Trey Hendrickson, and they have good rotational pieces like Marcus Davenport. Um, in the linebacking core, you got Davis. Um, in the secondary, you got Lattimore and Jenkins, and of and all those guys, all those really really talented players. Marcus Williams is a guy I think is really underrated. The Saints always get overshadowed because you got Breeze, the legendary quarterback on the offensive side. But I think this team's best unit is their defense. And this is the best defense that Brady's probably played all year. And we've seen in the games they've lost this year, when teams play physical with them and they can get pressure on Brady, their, day, their life becomes a lot easier. Which is why I'm saying if the Buccaneers can run the ball, and they commit to the run, and they stay with the run. They don't do what happened the last game they played the Saints, is when it was, I think they had the NFL record for lowest runs in the history of, like of any, in any single game ever, lowest run plays. If they can stick with Ronald Jones, if they can stick with Leonard Fournette, even if it's just to keep the defense honest, I think it's going to make their lives a heck of a lot easier. I don't know. I still don't see the Buccaneers being successful against the defense, though, because I think Arians and Brady are just so confident in their own ability that I think they're going to try to air it out. And look, who can really blame them with the weapons they have? I know I can't. I mean, if I had Evans and Godwin and Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski and O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, plus a pretty decent pass-blocking offensive line, yeah, I would air that ball out too. However, I just think the Saints defense actually does have the advantage in that matchup. They also are familiar with the Buccaneers. They know what they run. They have an idea. They have tape. Plus, they're getting healthy. It, the Saints, I think, are the dark horse this year to win the Super Bowl. I really do. From an unbiased perspective. They just have a really complete team. And as long as Breeze is on, they're really tough to beat. Now let's move on to the Saints offense versus the Buccaneers defense. And the Buccaneers defense is good at one thing. They're really good at stopping the run. But here's the thing though. 
you know, they got Vita Vea, Levante David, Devin White, who I'm not sure if Devin White's going to play in this game. He didn't play last week, but he is such a good linebacker, and he really does help against, like, the, the running backs out of the backfield. He's so athletic, which is going to be big against Alvin Kamara. But here's the thing. The Saints very rarely will do power football. If you take away the run, the Saints are just going to throw a bunch of quick passes. Do you know what I'm saying? They're going to run gimmicky runs like jet sweeps or uh, reverses or something like that. Sean Payton, I think him him and Andy Reid are the two best offensive minds in the NFL. And they embarrassed the Buccaneers twice this year. And Breeze looked like he was 28 in the game. Uh, their last time they played. I mean, it was it was like a virtuoso. He was Drew Brees in that game. The Drew Brees we all know and love. The Drew Brees that set all those records. Um, just it was. I watched that game uh, start to finish. It looked like a JV defense versus the varsity offense. I mean, it doesn't matter when you can stop the run if Drew Brees can just take a three step drop and throw a slant, a hitch, a screen a swing pass, um, you know, like any number of different plays, a curl, quick fly. Like it doesn't, he can just, there's nothing you can do. And that Saints offensive line is so good. It really is. And I think they have the best two tackle, they have the best tackle tandem in the NFL. And no one talks about it. Ryan Ramchek and Teron Armstead, just whoa. Not to mention their interior is much improved from where it was a couple years back. So it's like, yeah, the Buccaneers will be able to stop the run most likely, but does it matter? So I think on this side of the ball, the matchups are going to come down to can Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul generate pressure against those tackles? And can they generate it quickly enough? Because the Saints are one of those teams, kind of like with Brady and the Patriots for so long, they're so hard to sack. Because it's the ball just comes out so quick. Kind of like the Steelers were early in the year. It's hard to sack them. The ball comes out so quickly. But the difference between those teams is that the, the Saints have an element of creativity. There's the Taysom Hill package, right? There's the Camara can split out against a linebacker and, one, and run wide receiver routes. Say that ten times fast. I just, it's going to be the matchup that everyone talks about. And I do think this game is going to be closer than what the other games were, simply because I think the Bucks are in sync more. Um, and when you play a team three times in a year, it's much easier to play against them because there's not a lot you haven't seen. And, I, and you can be sure that the Saints do not want to play the Buccaneers again, simply because of that factor. Look at NFL history. When teams play three times in a year, the games are usually always close, and it's hard to pick a favorite. But on the surface right now, the Saints match up so well with the Buccaneers. Um, and it's gonna be, it, what it's going to take for the Buccaneers to win this game is it's going to take Brady being able to outduel Breeze. If like Brady's going to have to throw for some like ungodly number, which if you've watched the last couple of weeks, he's very capable of. I don't know. 
it's interesting. Uh, the line for DraftKings says basically this is a going to be a really, really close game. Um, it's a, basically the Saints opened as four-and-a-half-point favorites, but they're now down to three-point favorites, so a field goal game. I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's going to be a little bit more than that. I'm going to say right now the Saints 35, the Bucks 27. Like a score, one-score game, but uh, I think the Saints can just put it away, and their defense, again, just matches up so well and with the Buccaneers' offense, and their offense can take advantage of what the Buccaneers' defense doesn't do so well, which is pass defense. I mean, they're not bad. It's just it's, there's, there's holes you can exploit there. They're not dominant. So let's move on. And we're going to move on to what the game I'm actually most excited to watch. And it's not what you guys think. <laughs> I'm talking about the Ravens and the Bills. Now, at the start of the year, if you had told me that the Ravens and the Bills were playing the playoffs, I wouldn't have been surprised, but my prediction then would have been the Ravens are going to kill them. Now, it's a little, uh, little shaky. Now, something that could really impact this game is that there's uh, supposed to be weather. Now, whether that be snow or just to be really, really cold, that could decide the impact. If it's snow... I'm giving the edge to Buffalo no matter what, how the teams match up. Because Lamar Jackson's already come out and said he doesn't want to play in the snow. And when a guy is already saying that, that doesn't exactly inspire confidence. And it makes sense. Jackson relies on speed and cutting and, you know, change of direction. And, you know, the offense is so reliant on motion and, and everything like that. That, yeah, it would probably hurt Lamar Jackson more than it would hurt, let's say, Josh Allen. That's my initial thoughts on the game. But now let's, let's basically, let's go through the sides of the ball. Let's look at, first, let's look at the Ravens offense and the Bills defense. Now, the Bills defense was really bad through the first half of the year, let's say. Uh, part of it was they weren't healthy. Part of it was that they just... You could just tell like something wasn't right. Um, the play of Tr- of the Tremaine Edmonds, I think that's his name. I I hope I'm not confusing with his brother, but the play of Tr- Tremaine Edmonds was the key. In the first half of the year, he wasn't playing well. In the second half of the year, he's been playing outstanding, and he is the key here. He is a big, fast linebacker that can do everything. For my money, he's the perfect linebacker for today's game. He doesn't play like it all the time, but he's built just with so much, he has so much physical gifts, and he has so much just raw talent, but also he he wants it, and he's so young still. He's going to get so much better, but he's the key. Let's say this game is played on neutral conditions. Let's say it's just cold, like there's no snow, no rain, no anything. I guarantee you his big responsibility is going to be Lamar Jackson. The middle of the field. That's his whole responsibility. It's going to be, he is going to be the guy probably when they get down into passing sets, he's going to be the spy on Lamar. Because the Ravens use all this motion. They have all this pre-snap stuff. They really only have two reliable pass catchers. It's Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. 
And Marquise Brown has a tendency to disappear for games. So this could be down to just Mark Andrews trying to get open. And here, because here, uh, excuse me, Tredavious White is going to guard Marquise Brown. So if I'm the Bills, I got put, I put Tredavious White on Marquise Brown one-on-ones and like just leave him one-on-one and you help everywhere else. You double-team Mark Andrews, you one-on-one uh, Marquise Brown, Tredavious White. Now it's just going to be Lamar Jackson trying to create something. And last week against the Titans, we saw early in the game, they, it, their offense was not exactly humming. And throughout the game, their offense wasn't exactly humming. It took a few really great plays from Lamar Jackson to get them going. And when that running game's going, man, the way they can like uh, confuse the defense, stretch the defense horizontally, it's scary. It really is. What do you, what do, you do? But ironically, with as dynamic as Lamar Jackson is, the reigning MVP, I think they're gonna. They're not gonna. They're they're not thinking that they can get in a shootout with Josh Allen. I think their strategy is gonna be to run the ball, take time off the clock, limit the possessions of Allen, limit the snaps of Josh Allen, and have Lamar and them just run for first down after first down after first down. If they can do that, they have more than a chance in this game. So I guess what I'm saying is if I'm the Bills, I'm, if I win the toss, I'm receiving and they're going to try to go down and score a touchdown right away. Because last week was the first time Lamar Jackson came from more than 10, from 10 or more down. He's, he doesn't come back well. He's, that offense isn't built to come back. I don't even want to say it's him. That offense just isn't built to do that. Running offenses aren't built to come from behind. So if I'm Lamar Jackson against the Buffalo Bills, I'm like, and I'm the Ravens coaching staff, I'm Greg Roman, I'm like, look, we're just going to try to run the ball. Run the ball, do what we do best, stick to our guns, and let's go. If they can do that, they have more than a chance in this game. I think I'd even favor them. If they, could, if they run the ball like we know they can run the ball, I think they have a 60% chance to win this game. You can run the ball on Buffalo. Buffalo's not a good run defense. It's going to be very interesting. Very interesting. But let's move on to the Bills offense and the Ravens defense. Now, the Ravens defense is not as good as what some people would think they would be. Their corner situation, I think, is the best in the NFL. They have Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith. Pretty good. <laughs> but it gets a little murky. Up front, they got Calais Campbell, Matthew Judon, Derek Wolf, uh, a few other really good players. The nose tackle inside, I think it's Brandon Williams, I think his name is. So they're going to be able, up front, they're solid. They're really solid. I'm wondering how much Josh Allen's going to go after Marcus Peters. Because Marcus Peters, for all the good plays he made, he made the game-sealing interception. I'm very familiar with Marcus Peters. Trust me. Very, very, very familiar. He's a former chief, for those of you that don't know. He makes a lot of plays. He goes for the ball. He'll get you a big turnover. 
but he has he bites more on double moves than any quarterback, excuse me, any cornerback I've ever seen in my life. Just watch tape of him. It's almost like he does it on purpose. So let's just say he got Stephon Diggs. Diggs is an outstanding route runner. Out and up, man. Could be a long day for Marcus Peters. That's all I'm saying. And Josh Allen, look. Mahomes over Josh Allen every day of the week. Any ra- I'm, you might think I'm biased, but any rational football fan would say that. Even if they've played relatively equally this year, because they have. Allen was not better than Patrick Mahomes this year. You may think that because of a few games toward the end of the year where Mahomes, you know, wasn't as sharp, quote-unquote. But I don't know. Have you watched him the whole year? Yeah. No. But Josh Allen's freaking good. All right? He's really good. He'll be able to exploit the Ravens' defense. I don't think, I mean, like, he is so, he can, it's so hard, he's so hard to sack, you know, he's big, he's strong, he's fast, and even when you get a hand on him, he can throw the ball 60 yards in the air. He has a hose for an arm. It's ridiculous. I think he has the strongest arm in the league. So, the Bills will not, let's say it is snowing. He's not going to have problems throwing the ball. That's going to cut through any wind. He's going to be able to drive the ball down the field. And if it's snowing, the Bills offense will have an advantage. Now, as far as the run game, I honestly wouldn't try to run the ball that much against the Ravens defense. I would just do what the Chiefs do sometimes, which is like they try to run it early. Doesn't work. They abandon it and you just throw. And I think the Bills are good enough to do that. Most teams need balance. The Bills, I really don't think they do. So I think this is going to come down to the Ravens running game versus Josh Allen. It's, it's, it's you know, everyone wants to talk about all these storylines, you know, all this different stuff, Lamar versus Josh Allen. I don't think it's Lamar versus Josh Allen. Because if it's Lamar versus Josh Allen, I think the Ravens are going to lose. Again, not a slam against jo- uh, Lamar Jackson. It's just the offense Lamar is in does not con- is not conducive towards that. If that makes sense. All right, we're going to move on. But before we move on, I actually just got a notification on my phone that James Harden just got traded to the Nets. Holy crap. It's such a dumb move by, by Houston. Why? Why are you trading him to the Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> All right, this will be a football podcast. That's crazy. No. That's nuts. Um, I can give it like a quick four-minute breakdown of that before we move on to the last game. All right, so basically the, you have, I don't know who the pieces are going over yet, but this is going to be the most isolation-heavy team in NBA history for Brooklyn. How are they going to share the ball? Who is going to take the back seat? Because we have seen in the past that three stars, none of them, they're not all going to get equal stuff. They're just not. Someone's going to have to take the back seat. My gut says Kyrie, but my, my, head, my head says it should be Kyrie. My gut says it won't be. 
she. That's nuts, man. That's crazy. Happened live on the podcast. Not live for you guys, but you know. And I guess when this comes out, it's not going to be breaking news anymore. But I, I just think that's kind of cool. It happened while I was recording. Anyway. Let's move on to the game that I'm actually least excited to watch this week. Because for anyone that knows me, knows that I have a nervous breakdown every time I watch the Chiefs play. And they kind of make it that way with the way they play sometimes. But my hope is that this is the playoffs and they'll be and the Chiefs versus the Browns will not be a close game and the Chiefs will be able to run away with it. But my gut says it won't be. The Chiefs are coming in off a bye. They were 14-2 in the regular season, 14-1 when their starters played. Look, they should be by everyone's on it. Like, everyone should be like they're the best team in football. They are the most disrespected 14-1 team, 14-2 team, whatever. I say 14-1 because their backups play in Week 17, so it doesn't count, really. But you have a... So they're the most disrespected best team in the NFL ever. Everyone wants them to lose, it seems like. Sorry, I just got more notifications for the rock for the Nets trade. That's crazy. The Harden trade. My God. But yeah, anyway, they're so disrespected, but you know, they haven't exactly been proving themselves the last couple of weeks. So, and the you have a really, really, really pumped up, fired up Browns team that's gonna be the perpetual underdog. They're 10 point dogs. They seem to want that. If I'm the Browns coach, I am drilling that into them. No one ex- no one thinks you can win. No one thinks you can go take out the big bad Chiefs. And that's what I'm doing. That if I'm Stefanski, that's what I'm hammering into him. Who can blame him? I mean, look, the Browns are not a perfect team. Their defense is suspect. They're getting Denzel Ward back this week, presumably. That will help. But here's the thing. If Denzel Ward, let's say he covers Tyree Kill, which no one can single cover Tyree Kill, guys, Because no one can run with Tyree Kill. That's the matchup. Anyway, let's start with the Let's go with the Browns offense versus the Chiefs defense. And guys, I know enough about this to know that the Chiefs are going to struggle a little bit, especially at the start. The Browns are going to come out and they're going to pound the ball. They're going to run the ball as much as they can, as often as they can. They're going to play action pass. That's how you move the ball against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are actually a very, very good pass defense. They were top 10 in the NFL. Dropping straight back to try to throw against them doesn't work very much. You know, you got Breland and Charvarius Ward. That's an underrated cornerback duo. Not to mention Tyron Matthew covers the slot. A, a lot. Legereus Sneed, a rookie, has been playing very well this year. This team's pass defense is actually very good. It's really hard to just drop straight back unless you're like an elite, elite quarterback, which I love Baker Mayfield, but let's be real, he's a tier below, a tier or two below the elite of the elite. He's had a great year, but it's played very well last week, but you know, like there's, there's levels to this. They're going to run the ball and try to play play action, the play action game. 
And my gut says the Browns are going to come out against a team in the Chiefs that haven't really played in two, almost two weeks now. Three weeks, actually. And they're going to be able to jump on the Chiefs a little bit. The Chiefs are going to be rusty. It's natural. Every team's rusty like this. Mahomes hasn't taken a first-team rep in two weeks. He's not going to be sharp, probably, to start out. But the Chiefs' defense has been very good this year at making adjustments. Okay? So I think this game will start out in the Browns' favor, and the Twitter sphere will be exploding. The Browns, the Chiefs, what? I implore you, unless it's 28-0 again in the first quarter, I implore you, as if you're a fellow Chiefs fan, if you're a fellow football fan, be patient. If you watched the playoffs at all last year, you'll know what I'm talking about. And I'm almost saying this for my own benefit more than anyone else. This Chiefs defense will make adjustments. They'll make a play. They'll get a turnover. Matthew will make a big interception. Jones will get a sack. The Chiefs' best defense is getting you in third and long. Because when you have to drop straight back to pass, they're not easy to throw against, guys. They really aren't. So this ma- basically, this matchup will come down to how well and how consistently can the Browns control the line of scrimmage with their two really good running backs and their good offensive line. Who's a little bit banged up, by the way? It'll be interesting, that's for sure. Now let's move on to what I think is the most lopsided matchup between two sides of the ball in this playoff so far. Maybe I'm biased, but the Chiefs at their best on offense are unstoppable. Okay? Can we get that out there? They are unstoppable. But here's the thing. They have not been at their best, I believe, since Baltimore early in the year. Like week three or something. They have not been at their best since that point. So, you can, some would say they're inconsistent, which they have been. Still scoring 30 points a game, but sure, inconsistent. But I also think one factor that no one really talks about, and this happened last year too, is that Andy Reid doesn't, he has been, his last couple years with Mahomes especially, he has been saving his really creative, really dynamic plays for the postseason. Maybe I sound like a homer just making excuses, but this literally happened last year. Because he knows that Mahomes is good enough to win games with not the most creative play calling. If you watched the Chiefs this year, you would have noticed that their play calling wasn't as creative. They weren't using motion as much. They weren't using these weird, funky formations as much. And the ones they did use, they had used before. I guarantee you there's about uh, five to ten plays that Andy Reid's going to pull out in these playoffs that no one's ever seen before. And look, the Browns got a couple good players on that defense. They do. Miles Garrett's dynamic in a bowl in the China shop. And the Chiefs' offensive line hasn't been the strongest this year. But they're going to be the healthiest they've been in a long time. So we'll see. 
And Mahomes is tough to sack, guys. He really is. There's going to be a lot more quick passes in the playoffs. There's not going to be as many seven-step drops for whatever reason. The Chiefs are going to have a better game plan. Now, again, I think there is a pretty decent chance that in their first few drives, the Chiefs don't look sharp. The rust factor is huge. Okay? It's just a big, it's a big deal. This is a real thing. But if they can just hang in there until, like, let's say the second quarter, I think the Chiefs are going to wake up. And we saw what Big Ben was doing. Big Ben threw for like 550 yards, and I know they were behind, but toward the end of the game, like middle of the second quarter on, the Browns could not stop the Steelers offense. And the Steelers offense is not very good anymore, or it wasn't. And the Chiefs have more weapons. They have a more dynamic quarterback. Um, their run game is better. Don't, I mean, even if Clyde Edwards-Alaire doesn't play, you have Le'Veon Bell, Errol Williams is underrated. Darwin Thompson had a great week 17. You know, hell, Tyreek Hill can get a carry or two in the backfield. Excuse me. Look, I, the line right now is 10 points. It'll be closer than that. The Chiefs just play a close game. My gut says this is a seven-point game. But it's a seven-point game because the Chiefs basically run down the clock at the end with the ball. Like they've done numerous other times. I'm going to go with... I didn't make a prediction for the Ravens-Bills games. I will, though. But for this game, I'm going to go with Chiefs 38, Browns 31. I think that's fair. And for the Ravens and Bills game, um, I'm going to give you two scores. If the weather is bad, I got Bills, uh, I got Bills 24, Ravens 13 with the snow. If it doesn't snow and the conditions are fine, I got actually have the Ravens pulling off the upset 28-24. Um, a lot of 28s. I, all my scores are around the same, but that's usually playoffs usually are around that score. Just because the defenses get better and also like, but the also like, it's just a very good football game. That game's going to be the best game of the weekend. Give me the closest game, I think. But yeah, man, this is going to be a crazy divisional week. So once again, I have, you know, I got the, the Packers over the Rams. I'm sure everyone will. I have the Saints over the Buccaneers. I'm sure, I don't know about that one, but I think most people will have those Saints over the Buccaneers. The Ravens and the Bills I have as a wash, I don't know. And the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I hope the Chiefs win, but I think the Chiefs are going to win as a Chiefs fan, as a prediction. My gut actually, my heart and my anxiety thinks they lose every week. <laughs> thinks they'll lose every week. So I don't know. Maybe I'll jinx them by saying that, but I, I just think logically the Chiefs will win. Um... I think they're a more complete team than last year, and I think they have been there before, so that'll help them. I don't know. Would I be surprised if any of these results were different? The only one I would be really surprised about is if the Rams beat the Packers. That's the only one I would be surprised about. If the, but if the Browns come in to Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs, would I be surprised? Not really. 
because their their offense is built to beat the Chiefs, and there's a world where they run for 250 yards and keep Mahomes off the field. Run a fake punt, seal a possession, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Chiefs do something stupid like missing an extra point or they get a bunch of penalties um, so their offense isn't as at prime position. Yeah, there was a world where the Browns can beat the Chiefs and I wouldn't be that surprised about it. I give the Chiefs probably at a 70% chance to win. But I wouldn't be that surprised. Now, obviously, you wouldn't be surprised two other games, the the Ravens and the Bills and the Saints and the Buccaneers, because those games are expected to be the closest games of the week. But I would be very, very surprised if the Rams pulled off the upset against the Packers. The Rams are so banged up. The Packers are rested. And Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Plus, he's got a pretty good team around him. So, But yeah, we're going to wrap this up today. It's a 45-minute mark. Um... Like, I'm really, guys, I'm, again, like I said last week, I'm so thankful for you guys that are still listening to the podcast, and um, viewership is going up. It's so crazy to see that it really is, and thank you guys. I mean, you guys are all, everyone that listens, and if you're still listening now, you rock, and hopefully you guys will stick along for the ride, because I'm not going away anytime soon, and if we just keep that, you know, that the rate going up of listeners like we've been doing, then sky's the limit. All right. Well, guys, for everyone here at Excalibur Studios and the Two Man Break Podcast, I'm Sam D. Blurgett. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Stay tuned for next Tuesday.